This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. We are the members of Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find our show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our RedCircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast, and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I am one of your hosts. It's your old pal. I am Mike Spears. Join alongside my co-host Case Low. In case we are now in the hot season, it's dead or alive time. But how are you? I am sleep deprived. I'm very busy. I am excited to be here. It was really nice listening to you and Alan Forel earlier this week. I my favorite kind of wrestling podcast is one that I'm not on, and unfortunately. Very rarely am I able to sit down and listen to Dragon Gate being discussed without hearing my stupid voice. So having, what was that, like two hours and 15 minutes of you and Alan to listen to this week, previewing Dead or Alive, which if you haven't seen the show, please go listen to that preview before you watch it. And then a little bit of King of Gate talk. Uh, that was that was very exciting for me. So it's been a good week. It's been a very busy week. And I'm excited to talk to you about this show. How are you doing, Mike? You know, it's it, it was the hot season for a week in South Carolina, and it, it's something like where we were already breaking record highs, but then right as Dead or Alive hit, the rain started and it's cooled back down, and that that, that that's kind of nice. I I no, 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 few things I like more than a nice spring rain shower. So you know, I'm I'm doing okay. I, I read I, I read a stat that I think there's been one sunny day in chicago in the last 43 days and counting so that's not good yet again Lori lightfoot's at it again and this is what the mainstream media is not talking about is the fact that there's been so much cloud coverage in chicago recently and i don't hear a peep from your wall street journals and your lamestream medias and it's a real bummer because this has to change I think it's going to be 80 degrees next week. So luckily change is coming. Change is coming, folks. Don't worry. Hey, hey, is that almost uh, Lake Beach weather for you? Hypothetically, yes. Will that plan be executed? No, it's not quite there yet. Hey, 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 I just got to check in on, uh, on Operation Summer of Case. Let Operation. me l- let me ask you a question. All right. 
First, I'm, actually, I'm going to ask you two questions. First of all, drink corner real quick, because I just opened one up. Have you had the limited edition Dr. Pepper Dark Berry? No, but I appreciate that you brought that up to me rather than that Mountain Dew. That actually sounds... <laughs> I, I, I would try that Dark Berry Dr. Pepper. I am not going to touch that Mountain Dew. I was in the grocery store yesterday, and... I walked by a case of blue Dr. Pepper and I said, oh, son of a bitch, let me see what this is all about. And it's pretty good. It's it's Dr. Pepper with food coloring, so it's pretty good. I mean, I'm sold now that you said it's blue. That reminds me of, of course, Pepsi Blue, my favorite beverage that I would have at the bowling alley when I was on the bowling team. And Case, I know you know this, but play along with me on this. Did, do you know that I remember the last time I had a Pepsi Blue? I I'm learning this now. When when was the last time you had a Pepsi Blue? The day that the space shuttle Columbia exploded. <laughs> that's right. We just talked about this, and, and I said that that that's not a comment I would put on air. But guess what, Case? It's King. It's that are alive in King or Gate season. You at, at at Open Voice Gate. Let us know where you were when. What was it? Columbia. Yeah, Columbia. Let us know where you were when Columbia exploded. Mike was drinking a Pepsi Blue. I, of course, was finishing a judo lesson at my local YMCA, standing in line at the subway, getting ready to eat a meatball sub on white with no cheese, not toasted, just meatballs on bread and slide it down the counter. When I saw the Challenger explode at Open Voice Gate, let us know where you were in time. I appreciate the fact that after a strenuous physical activity, you go get your nasty Subway order. Which I don't even get anymore. I haven't had a meatball sub from Subway in over a year. I say that like I've been clean or something, but the Subway closest to me serves breakfast all day. So now I get a foot-long flatbread steak, egg, and cheese, which if you're thinking, wow, it's really gross to get eggs from Subway. Yes, it is. I'm not super proud of it. But I, I was thinking about the steak part, but that works too. No, the steak, I have I, I have no issue with the gimmick steak they have. A nice little thinly cut steak, pepper jack, cheese, egg, throw it in the the heat, the, what's the heater? What's it called? What do they do to make my sandwich hot? The toaster? Uh, the you toaster. Mean? <laughs> the, the, the heater. Yeah, yeah, they're just going to go find the radiator case and just throw <laughs> the sandwich at that. So, speaking of food, so I'm going to put you in a hypothetical situation. All right. You're on a first date. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a nicer restaurant. I made reservations. It's not fancy. It's if business casual was a restaurant this would be the kind of place. Uh, uh, l- l- let's put this in tears of, of Ruth Chris, the fanciest restaurant in the world, <laughs> Ruth Chris Steakhouse. It's it's no Ruth's Chris, brother. But, but but we're talking about that tier right below Ruth Chris. I'm talking about, I, I, I well, this is relevant to the conversation. A bowl of pasta is anywhere from 15 to $19. Okay. I I I get what you're saying now. Thank you. Actually, that that, that genuinely helped. Now, now okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, how many were drinks sell served in bell jars here? Uh, no, but that was that's just a business choice. The aesthetic matches bell jar beverages. That just wasn't yeah. a choice that was made at this establishment. Yeah, yeah. I, I I know it wasn't. I, I I know they chose not to, but you know that aesthetics there. A lot of Edison light bulbs too. With the yes, one hundred percent. Okay, so you reclaimed you, wood, re- you, reclaimed wood everywhere. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, this is like a, this is like the first date spot for everyone from two thousand and fourteen to present. 
So this is my current first date spot. This is a place in Lincoln Park in Chicago that I've now taken a few different women to. The people at the restaurant haven't recognized me there yet, but I've talked to the wait staff so much because I'm a lively human being that it's getting to the point where I think they're going to start recognizing a pattern of me showing up to a, a, this place consistently where I am the same, but it's a new woman every time because uh, it's a new first date every single time. I have not had the opportunity to have a second or third or God forbid anniversary date at this location yet. So this arrest. <laughs> Buddy, I I I I gotta say that staff definitely knows by now. <laughs> they definitely know, and you know some of them might be a little bit put off. Some of them must be thinking like, "Hey, this guy must really like us if we're his first date spot." So so it's neither a negative or a positive. No, if anything, they can probably grease the wheels if they recognize right. me. Yeah, like, oh, 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 big spender right here. So I I we're you're you're on a first date with a woman. And you guys don't know each other very well, met through a dating app, texted a little bit, you're on this date, and you guys sit down, she asks if you've ever been here before, you say, yes, I, I've been here a few times. My line, which is true, is that, hey, I used to have a vegetarian friend that lived across the street, and they have a lot of vegetarian options there. Now, I never ate at this restaurant with that vegetarian friend, but I'm not telling a lie by telling her that version of the story. And she says... Okay, well, is there is there anything you like, anything you would recommend? And I say, well, you know, I'm a big fan of this lemon poppy pasta that they have. There's an Italian word in there somewhere that I don't know how to pronounce, but this is this is what I'm a fan of. This is what I'm going to get. And she responds, and this is a woman that you do not know very well. You met merely a few minutes ago. She responds by asking, well, would you want to split that? What is your move here? Splitting dishes on the first date. I think you kind of, I think you're kind of like socially required to, even though personally I'd be against. I couldn't believe this was happening. I didn't know this was a thing. The audacity of I, asking you this. Straight up, I actually thought it was kind of rude. My, I was like, well, no, that's what I want. You can get it too, but this i'm going to eat this and then she was stunned that i pushed back on the idea of of sharing a meal and we were already going downhill fast i i later because she couldn't figure out what she wanted to get i was like oh okay no we can we can split it. i'll just i'll ask for two bowls i don't want to be eating from the same the same pit basically but i didn't know this was a thing i didn't know people were sharing food in public i didn't know people were splitting anything ever. wait 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 you never knew that people would split plates would to share plates at restaurants like this was a new concept to you i understand the ideology behind it but i've certainly never done it especially with Brother. somebody that i don't know now if if you and i sat down for dinner and god willing we will this september i you go hey you want you want to split something ah you know what i like mike spears I trust he's a pretty clean person. I know where that mouth's been. Sure, Mike, what do you want to split? But I know you. I talk to you every week. I trust you. I was taken aback, and I, I told her, I was like, well, I, I'm paying. Get what you want. If you, if it's like a, if it, if it's a cost thing, like, don't worry about it. Like, I, baby, I got you. I'm paying. Don't worry about it. She's like, no, I just, I, I, Big I don't know. promotion what I low over here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, making a salary for the first time in my life and I am spending. <laughs> um, I just, I didn't know it was socially acceptable to ask somebody to split dinner, especially on a first date. I was really thrown off by that. And 
of course, everything that transpired over the date, I was also like, oh, I, I don't like that. I'm not not super into that. But it all started with <laughs> with her asking to split pasta, which I was really thrown off by. Yeah, I, I have to say that's bold. Like, like she like she put it out there. Like, I want to split this. I don't want to have my own. And I I think she was anticipating that that by splitting the entree that you were splitting the check and and maybe that was precautionary. Maybe if that makes sense. I look if you're gonna go out to dinner with me, the least I can do is pay for it. I you're serving your time. You're arguably serving your country. You're doing everyone a favor. I'll pay for the dinner. I'm not worried about that. I'm not. I'm not taking you to Ruth's Chris. Okay. I'm gonna have money tomorrow to buy a muffin and a Coca-Cola at 11 o'clock at the office. I'm going to, I'm going to be doing okay. Don't worry about the price. I got you on a first date. I don't know why she wanted to split this food with me. Maybe I'm odd again at open voice gate. Let me know if you think that is perfectly acceptable. I did not think it was okay. I was really thrown off by that. And everybody that I've bounced it off of has been like, no, that's a very normal thing to do. Why are you acting weird? And I said, I don't know. I'm sorry. Like splitting plates is normal. Doing it on a first date—that's just putting it out there. You know, that's an energy you're putting back in the universe. That's going to be served back five times towards you. I that that case. I I, I gotta say that with the stories you tell about your dating life, the fact that this split plate is like that was like the portent of this date's doom. Makes perfect sense, man. I'm sorry. There, there was a lot. There's a lot more there, but we don't have time to get into that. Um, because <laughs> we do have, we do have a ginormous Dragon Gate show to talk about. Title changes, match of the year contenders, and if that wasn't enough, we have King of Gate starting next week. So let us get into that, Mike. Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, I think we're gonna work from the back to the front main event first. Uh, Dead or Alive 2022 from Aichi Prefectorial Gymnasium. It was on the 5th, as they are one to do. It'll be up on the network for both English and Japanese commentary through the 12th. Let's go big picture first, KST. You've already kind of laid down the uh, foundation for this, but five title matches, a four-hour show. Like, the, that was like my first match, a four-hour show. That's going to be a lot. And, you know, you, the story we talked about last year, about Dragon Gate big shows, like the build seeming like it was it, that they needed to have the big show. Jay's come on to our program and have talked about it before. Well, I am looking at my notebook right now, okay, slow. And lo- take a guess how many four star or better matches I have on here. You seem like the type of guy that watched this show and landed with four matches at four stars or higher. Buddy, one, two, three, four matches at four stars or higher. I know you well. What can I say? So I have to say, unmitigated success for me personally. What was your big takeaway for Dead or Alive 2022? This is a strange show, and I haven't paid attention to any discourse. I don't know what people thought of this other than seemingly universal praise for the main event. I, maybe maybe I've just been offline a lot this week, which which has been the case, so I've missed some stuff. I feel like discourse is a little down for a Dragon Gate Big Five show, which is really disappointing because I thought the build of this was good. And having watched the show, I thought the show was really good. So I would have liked to have seen 
just for the sake of I enjoy talking about Dragon Gate with people, I would have liked to have seen a bigger pop, but maybe, I, I don't know, do you feel that way? You've been a little more plugged in this week than I have. I think that at least from the places I check to see Dragon Gate Discord, this was up from stuff earlier this year, but that's, but I mean, that's to be assumed this is the first of the big five. I think that interest is not at a good point, but the people that were interested had a lot of discourse. And not using discourse in a negative uh, connotation there. Just like a lot, I saw a lot of conversation about Dead or Alive. Now, I don't think that necessarily lends me to believe that there is an influx of international viewership. I, I recognize that what I may see is biased inherently because I'm going to be looking for more Dragon Gate stuff out there. So I don't know. I, I, I can't get a, a real solid read, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I think it's it's probably, I mean, God, the, the crazy thing is, you know, last year was Skywalker versus Kakuta, and that show, I think that show had buzz, but coming away from it, the talk was, ugh, that, okay, ugh, we'll, we'll get them next time. And then there wasn't a show in 2020, and so you have to go back to 2019, and I feel like that show with Skywalker leaving Mochizuki Dojo in the cage match, and that was Pac versus Dragon Kid. My memory tells me that show had a little bit more buzz. People were a little bit more excited about that. Even if I feel like overall people are far more bullish and there's a little uh, a little more Western eyeballs on Dragon Gate right now, that Dead or Alive popped a little bit more. But hey, this was a great show. Now, I I haven't talked to you about this. I have no idea how you feel about any of this stuff. I I, I You obviously like to show you have four matches at four stars or higher. This was a really hard show to review because there were some matches in here that really made me think and analyze what I value in wrestling, which is not normally something that I have to sit down and think of when I watch a Drangate show. Normally, my thoughts are, oh, that was good or, oh, that was great. This was one where even bell to bell, there were some matches that had these wild fluctuations of of whether or not I was enjoying them or not. But overall, I liked the show. I liked the direction that things are headed. I think King of Gate could really pop off the screen. A few of these shows could be really big. So I look forward to it. But overall, I enjoyed this show quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, I totally get how this is a difficult show to evaluate because there are certain things in certain matches that at reading your review... I am far much higher on than you are, <laughs> to be honest. But it's also comes back to what you're saying about what you're looking for in enjoyment pro wrestling. There, what do you kind of key key into in that regard? And it's just you know, it, it it's something that in a lot of ways, like with the stories being told on this show, it the, the layout had to be this way, but the layout didn't necessarily always get the most desired reaction. Like Daya. Uh, having two matches and then having like an hour and a half between the two matches, it, it it's something that like was such a big storyline, and it's something that the match was great. Like the matches were great. It's just you kind of wish there was a little bit more connective tissue in a way when you have these storyline things at play. Maybe. Oh well, that's interesting because I thought they nailed the Dia thing. I thought they got over the idea that hey, he was going to be wrestling in two matches. GM Rio Saito didn't want him to do this. Our eyeballs 
went towards that Brave Gate match with SB Kento in his hometown and going, you know, they're probably going to have Kento win the belt here. Where in reality, the story was that the Twin Gate match, that was the trap match. That was the match that Saito advised him against wrestling in. They lose the titles. SB Kento interferes in that match. And I love that an hour and a half later, after SB Kento comes out looking like a goddamn world beater, Dragon Daya makes his way to the ring. No skateboard, no smiles. He gets in there and he wrestles SB Kento and he's able to squeak out a victory in what I imagine is going to be a very polarizing match. But Daya specifically, I thought, was the MVP of this show because he wrestled in two matches and I thought both of them were great. Yeah, no, this was definitely a challenge set up for Daya. You know, I mean, the fact that he has been the main character of this promotion for 2022 so far, like saying like, all right, you're going to go through this. And essentially, like, I know that the match times, I mean, you, you got 16 minutes for a Brave Gate and then they list the, I don't have a time for the opener, but you, you're talking about someone who had to go do a half hour championship matches and set up kind of the challenge there and he knocked it dead. It was something that not that he went one and one, but I don't think one and one in the way that everyone expected. But coming out of Dead or Alive with Schumante as Twin Gate champions versus D Courage, it does make sense at least moving into uh, King of Gate season and into the road to Kobe World that you're probably wanting to separate out the titles and having that tag team, which is so, so different than anything else on the roster as champions, makes a little bit more sense with with uh with the title situation coming out of nagoya that opening match was 14 minutes so between that and the 16 minute brave game match he wrestled a half hour on this show right yeah so i mean they they, they gave uh young daya a big old uh a task and i think we could both say that it was an unmitigated success but the the big story and i think that it's worth now looking into the main event and working way backwards the open the Dreamgate championship where Kai's title was on the line versus Susumi Akoska in a match where he, where Susumu risked the Akoska name and and threatened that if he lost, he would withdraw from Natural Vibes. Well, Kai makes his third successful defense of the Open the Dreamgate title with the Meteor Impact Kai. After the match, Susumi Akoska announced he accepts the stipulations. He is now going to be referred to by his real name. Susumu Mochizuki, and he will be departing Natural Vibes. And at the same time, Ginky Horiguchi said, hey, we set out the Natural Vibes to support KZ to go to the next level in 2018-2019. Well, he's done that now. And now it's time for us to take our step back in for KZ to reach new levels all on his own. This might be the single greatest Susumu Yokosuka Open the Dreamgate match of all time. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, I was. Uh, I I think I hold the Mochizuki match a little bit higher than this. I was four and a half on it. I thought that this was just expertly worked. I thought that Kai, like now that we have like Kai and scenarios where it's not necessarily gimmick based stuff, or you're dealing with Cyber Kong. You know, I mean, he is the main event wrestler that he always portrays himself as, Asumi Yokosuka as always, is absolutely, you know, one of the best wrestlers ever done it. He had the full sicko mode entrance with the Nesca theme music and coming out with all kinds of Nesca stuff about it. And then 
that just the story they told us Asumu just dominating from the start until he started to hurt his arm and then that becoming the focal point of the next 20 minutes was really excellently done and you know the the idea that Kai really had to put him away with multiple medio impacts and then finally hand the medio impact to Kai I mean talk about going out on 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 your shield after Susumu kicked out at one after one of them so I thought that this was an excellent match it's something that really shows how Kai has come along as a champion and yet again Susumu Yokosuka one of the one of the best to ever do it now Susumu Mochizuki I am so happy with this match I mean this is up there that the the Susumu matches that immediately come to mind Obviously, him versus Doi from March of 2020, weirdly enough, the last Dragon Gate match to to have a crowd that wasn't impacted by COVID. You have the Mochizuki match from 2017, which I would probably like more now if I watched it compared to then, just because November of 2017 is, to me, a, a black hole of Dragon Gate. In the moment, I was just so not into what was going on that it was hard for me to enjoy a Mochizuki versus Susumu match, even though that is something that is right up my alley. You have the two Shingo matches from 2016, the first one Valentine's Day of that year, which I went four and a half stars on, the second one, the rematch from Champion Gate, which I went three and three quarters on. I went three and three quarters on Susumu versus Kai as well. So we're talking about not only an upper echelon, susumu dreamgate match which there's now been 17 of but in the pantheon you know this is this is gonna make my dvd box that of the best open the dreamgate championship matches of all time i mean this was a really special match where they were able to leverage the kness retirement for an entire month in a way that certainly didn't feel cheap didn't feel sleazy. It didn't feel like they were profiting off of a guy who has trouble getting up out of bed every morning because his body's so broken down. This was the natural story to tell with his best friend, Susumu Yokosuka, and it was the right story to tell. And this is where Jay and Hoho are such a valuable team. They really crush it for as fun as they are and the opening matches, and for as much as I love the banter, for as much as I loved on this show, they were talking about Big Boss Shimizu being out of King of Gate and how his first round opponent is Takashi Yoshida and Jay going, oh, I don't think anybody wants to volunteer for that match, and Ho-Ho going, I will volunteer for that match, <laughs> which was <laughs> really, really funny. For, for as fun as they are on the undercard stuff, they have a knack for nailing the tones of these big main events. And this one with Jay setting the picture early on during Susumu's entrance of, you know, if Kai's able to change his name, then not only is Kness gone, but whatever lasting legacy there is of Kaneska is gone, because now the Yokosuka part of that is no longer an entity in Dragon Gate either. So to lean into all of that, to wear the Kaneska shirt, to wear the mask, to wear the necklace, which Kai ripped off, which caused Susumu to show more fire and emotion than maybe I've ever seen before, because he's always this you know, dead behind the eye, stone cold killer. I call him the Tim Duncan of pro wrestling, not only because of his quiet all time, great levels of consistency, but because he's not exactly the flashiest guy, nor was Tim Duncan. You know, this is a guy who clocks in and clocks out. He just happens to do his job better than almost anybody else in his industry. 
Susumu starts showing this fire. The formula was there. I mean, it was a Susumu dream game match. This is what you're going to get. Susumu's going to get out in front early. He's going to Larry at the post. And then the next 25 minutes are going to be some combination of limb work and Susumu trying to throw Lariats in spite of that limb work. And I think that is a beautiful formula. It works every time. I am now of the belief that when we speak about Kai's Dreamgate run, it is not when is he dropping the title because that's going to be what's best for this company. I, I, I hate to credit him because I was coming on here to say the same thing, but Alan Forel beat me to it on Twitter, and I'll just read his quote verbatim, his tweet verbatim, because he's exactly right. He says, it's super weird having Kai of all people as champ heading into Kobe World, but I'll say this. One, he delivers in every big title match. And two, it really feels like whoever beats him is going to get a huge win when they do so. And that is entirely true, whether it was Shimizu, whether it's Susumu, whether it's Ata, Minora, Skywalker, whoever it is that eventually beats Kai, that is going to feel like a big deal. And that is a net positive for Dragon Gate. For as good as Susumu was, for as much as I love him, Kai was every bit as good at this match, which feels crazy to say, but to me it's true. It's something where I there's a certain magic about Susumu in these kind of matches where like, as you laid out, like the formula is kind of comfortable at this point, but there's different quirks and different ways, like playing off of it. And it's something where if like the Mochizuki match, which I would argue probably was the previous, like best current Dreamgate match. If that makes any sense, like the lineal best current Dreamgate match, this surpassed that. And it did so in a way where I'm kind of, just like dumbfounded and just like the little things that were done here like susumu doing a fire up right into doing a figure four so he could taunt uh kai doing mudo doing mudo poses cracked me up and it just was one of those things that this is a match that had so many levels from the the kness stuff to the championship to the to, to, to susumu just trying to like further figure out this guy that he that like the the big story of kai is everyone seems to have figured him out until the championship match and you're absolutely right the second that someone figures him out it may it be right after king of gate or if it's at kobe world then really like it's going to do a a lot for them in particular if it's someone that that could be a first-time champion because you look at who he's faced now now he's defeated with the exception of yamato probably the susumu's had two title runs mochizuki so one of the uh, one of the few multiple uh, Dreamgate champions in the company, like that's cachet they'll pass on to whoever beats Sky. And I think that this just was a masterwork in kind of laying that all out for the audience. And I think that it's something where in a year where like like doing Alan's show, I was like preparing just to see if I needed to talk about like matches of the year. And I was like, I have like matches I really like, but nothing I would call like match of the year stuff. No, this is like the Dragon Gate match of the year to this point. And you, you know, it's something that I'm not ready necessarily to see the end of Kai's title run, at least personally, just because I enjoy his matches. But when they decide to pull the trigger and, and if he makes it through the summer as champion, I'd be surprised. It's going to be very good for whoever beats him. Yeah, I... I... I still don't love the build to these Kai matches. He's not the kind of guy, whereas like when you look at, you know, Skywalker as champion, yeah, he had all of these great matches. You know, he had the Kazma match and he had, who did he wrestle at? A, oh, he had, he had the Ishida, Ishida match. He had the Kazma match. 
He had the great stuff at Kobe World. Shun had this incredible run, but the nice thing about Shun was he could also bust out these great six-man tags. Obviously, last year was all about Masquerade and these six- and eight-man tags that were a ton of fun, and Skywalker was a big part of those. Kai is not that guy. Kai is going to have a bunch of two-and-a-half-star matches in Cork and Hall, and then if this trend continues, four-and-a-half-star matches on the big shows, which, look, I'll deal with that. I'll take that, because ultimately... We're looking at a point now where the day we're recording this, Kai has been open the Dreamgate champion for 131 days. Yamato's last run, which Kai ended, lasted a total of 147 days. And I am telling you right now, despite the fact that I loved Yamato versus Coach Minora, despite the fact that I thought the BB Hulk match was shockingly good, and I thought the, B, uh, the Ben K match was really entertaining, I am so much more invested in Kai's run as open the Dreamgate champion than Yamato's fifth time with this belt. Kai as the champion has officially become a net positive. Yeah, I know it's going to be exciting to see who his next challenger is going to be. Of course, that will be most likely the King of Gate winner. Dragon Gate has been known to pull the Masato Yoshino emergency summer title win before Kobe World, so we can't discount anything like that. Uh, Susumu, on the other hand, of course, now leaves natural vibes. He reverts to Susumu Mochizuki, someone that Jay aptly put on, com- on commentary. Like his wrestling life has been Susumu Yokosuka. Being Susumu Mochizuki, that's his private life, and now they're one. And I think that's going to be kind of a fascinating thing for him as now he's independent along with his longtime tag team partner, Genki Horiguchi. Yeah, so you've got this situation where Kai's next challenger is going to be figured out through King of Gate, and we'll talk about that as this podcast goes on. I found the speculation about Susumu's next steps, and granted, you and Alan did not know, nor did I, that Horiguchi was going to be leaving Natural Vibes too. but when you guys were previewing this show and talking about the idea of Susumu losing and what he might do next, I thought it was interesting I could see Susumu Mochizuki now, which is going to take me a second to get used to, but I could see Susumu Mochizuki joining another unit, perhaps being a Triangle Gate champion. I would love for him to wrestle for the Brave Gate belt again. I liked his short little run that he had with that title. Uh, You know, he proved last year with Shimizu that he could still be a viable Twin Gate champion. I would love that to happen. I think that sort of stuff for him is winding down. And I found the idea of the pairing of him and Masaki Mochizuki to be interesting because as far as I'm concerned, I think Mochizuki's done with that life. I think we have seen the last time that Masaki Mochizuki is interested or involved rather in unit battles. I think he is a higher profile version of what a Kness or a Super Shisa turned into at this point. And for as much as I would love, and let me be clear that I would love to see Susumu Mochizuki, Masaki Mochizuki, and Takuma Fujiwara lighting up six-man tags, I don't see that happening. I think Susumu is going to be a guy that will be working under cards for a little bit, and maybe he finds himself in a unit by the end of the year. But the tone that I got from this is that Although the output of Yokosuka and, and Genki Horiguchi is dramatically different, where I, you know, I feel like Yokosuka could walk into any company in the world right now and be one of their five best wrestlers, Horiguchi, for as charismatic as he is, is not at that stage of his career anymore. I think they're both heading down the same path. I think Dragon Gate, in one fell swoop, just brushed these guys aside, not out of disrespect, not out of anger nor apathy, 
but just because it is time and time waits for no man. And we are entering a situation where time has caught up to Genki Horiguchi and Susumu Yokosuka. Yeah, I completely agree with Genki. It's something that privately speculating for years, him kind of taking those steps. Like for a while, he was not touring. He was just doing the TV stops and that was it. So him doing this, like at the same time, like, oh yeah, no, that the oh, it's time to start winding things down there. Susumu, I, I don't see him being slotted already into like those veteran like groups. I don't see him with Fuji kanda and mochizuki so much like just because like the age and like the fact that they play up even though he's really not that much younger than he's he's than... 44 yeah he's 44 but these God, guys imagine, are in... imagine that imagine moving like that at 44 right yeah and, and that's the crux of my point is i think that like that is ultimately susumu's uh i don't want to say in game because that seems that seems kind of callous but i i susumu has more matches behind him than in front of him. That's a fair thing to say. I just think it's going to be more gradual than you're expecting. I, I I think maybe after this next unit is when we're going to be talking about like the unaffiliated veteran mass that he'll join. I don't see a spot for him in the oh, current no. landscape. There's got to be a new unit being formed. And, you know, could he hang out with Kondo and Strong Machine J and Kakuta? Yeah, sure. I, I, I. I would be open to that. Again, I don't want Susumu to go anywhere. I think he could be a main eventer for this company if they still wanted him to, but I think this was a a strong sign that they are winding him down as one of those guys. Yeah, it, it, it's something that I think really, I, I wouldn't take King of Gate necessarily as like the definitive uh, uh, direction in what of what he's in, but I think we'll get a sense pretty soon like this well like, i asked i asked you two weeks ago i said do you think this is going to be susumu's last king of gate and we were both in agreement then that no he's got more miles in the tank but you know let's say over the course of the next year ricky ahashi really hits and fuda catches on and minorita to some degree uh, is able to play up his strengths and now he's in a position where he can have singles matches at least one in a tournament setting and you've got at least four future kids waiting to debut maybe one of those kids connects strongly over the next 11 months now you're looking at a position where you might have three younger newer wrestlers that need to get into this tournament and you look at hulk well hulk can be bumped i don't think get the impression they're ready to bump doy out of that spot yeah but he's got to be on the list and then you look at the guys that are in king of gate this year and you don't have to go very far until you get to susumi yokosuka an older guy who by all means is qualified enough to be in this tournament but doesn't need to be in this tournament i i guess like i look at 32 i mean they made the field even bigger and let's say the ahashi soya and uh, Fuda. So those three, I could pick three names out of that before getting to Susumu. Like Kondo, who knows what's up with Kondo at this point? Like who knows if you could really like pencil into anything past King of Gate. Maria, Maria clearly is like that. It is someone that that is there to to be the thirty second person there. Then you're you're going to start talking about your Hulks. I don't think they'll pull Hulk because they always have the Hokkaido triple header during King of Gate season, and they will always want to have the easy house yeah boy doesn't that work out nicely for hulk that is that is right place right time for bb hulk right yeah because because then you're talking like okay prom dragon so we got 
so we got Kondo, Problem Dragon, Maria for those three future 2021 kids. We need to find one more. Let's just say one rookie of 2022 is available, and you want to put them in here. Then we're then we're having the conversation. The, the, then the conversation you're having, I think, is in play right now. I just think that I I just think that they that 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 he's on that trajectory. I just don't think it's going to be as, as steep of a slope. I, I think next year is the conversation, or two years now is the conversation rather. What do you think about the state of natural vibes coming out of this? We're now seeing the dismissal of Horiguchi, the dismissal of Susumu, and you're left with Casey. UT, Jackie Funky Kamei, Jason Lee, and an injured big boss Shimizu. Certainly, despite the fact that KZ is an established number one and a, a legitimate top guy, certainly a blow to their star power. Do you think this unit loses a lot? And I mean a lot by not having Genki Horiguchi involved going forward. I think that the the person will be able to tell whether or not they, they miss him a lot is going to be Kamei because Kamei is going to take over that role. He's basically been understudying him for the last year. So. That's, that's something we've harped on is, is it does not seem like an accident, both on screen and dare I say, speculating a little bit, pure speculation behind the scenes that Kamei and Yuti have been in this group with Horiguchi and Susumu specifically, two guys who have been the heart and soul of this machine since 1999, since it all started, it really seems like the tone of UT and Kamei is that they are the guys that have been pegged to follow in their footsteps. Right, yeah. And UT's not a bad talker. Uh, Kamei, Kamei, Kamei has, has a case of the giggles, I've noticed. But I think that there, it, it's going to be an uphill climb. Like, there's no way that, that you could look at this as a net positive losing uh Ginky Horikuchins and Susumu Mochizuki. Like th- there's no way you could say that they're in a better place on five six than they were on five five. But y- y- you know, I mean this is gonna be a good test for the young guys. Uh Jason. I mean, Jay if Jason's uh really connecting the way it seems he has on promos, there's your number two right there. And then you just gotta hope that uh UT and Kamei just you-, you know chip in when they where they can. They might be totally fine. I if Jason really connects the way he's continue if he continues connects the way he did in the Shun Skywalker feud, I think Natural Vibes is going to be fine three months down the road when everyone kind of congeals. Because I mean, Jason had his first match really as Natural Vibes yesterday, and it, it's just something that they now have to kind of kind of heal the fissure left by Susumu and Ginky leaving while uh, you know Jason's starting to gel with the group, and I think that's going to be the story. So I am really, really curious, and this jumps ahead to King of Gate, but I'm going to bring it up here because I think it fits. The triple shot in Hokkaido this year is going to tell me a lot about a lot of different things because I looked at the nine shows they've run in this current setup, the Sapporo, I was it the 2-1 stadium, whatever they've been running since December of 2020. They've done three different triple shots there, so nine shows. Their attendance grows every time they go there, and it grows by show every time they go there. So the first night is always the weakest attended. The last night, which is always some sort of KZ main event, does the most. Last year's King of Gates, Jason versus KZ, headlined the first night, did 215 fans. KZ versus Ata 
headlined the final night. That did 339 fans. I should note that the final, the last show they ran in Hokkaido, uh, December 5th, 2021, Eita Hyo and Kaito Ishida versus Big Boss Shimizu Keizi and UT for the Triangle Gate belts, that did 437. So like I said, they've put more people in that building every time they've run there. But I am so curious to see with King of Gate, the May 21st show this year, the two King of Gate matches are Jason Lee versus Ben K and Dragon Kid versus Diamante. I am so curious to see if Jason gets any sort of star power bump there and that show does better than the 215 that Jason did versus KZ or a more accurate comp, the second show from last year, which was headlined by Yokosuka versus Dragon Kid, that show did 257 fans. So if this year's Jason versus Ben K and Dragon Kid show does less than Yokosuka versus Dragon Kid did last year at 257 fans, I look at that as a failure. The other thing is, I think we're going to learn a ton about where KZ is at in the pecking order and where Coach Minora is at in the pecking order. That 522 show rematch of last year's King of Gate finals happening in the first round this year. KZ versus Ata last year in that spot did 339 fans. I am so curious to see if KZ versus Minora draws more or less or roughly the same. Does that all make sense? I know I just threw a lot of numbers and dates at you. Did you follow that okay? Yeah, I follow that, and I think that's going to be a good test for Jason, you know? Like, it's the same scenario with that, and I mean, it's the second night, and usually the attendance rises across the weekend, so seeing if it matches up a little higher, I think that's a decent little mini-experience to see, or experiment to see where Jason's at. So Yeah, yeah. because I, I thought Jason versus KZ was, I, I think I had it in my Dragon Gate Top 10 last year, I mean, I, I loved that match, but... It only did 215 fans, which granted outdrew the prior tours first night, but still it was it was a KZ singles match in Hokkaido and Sapporo. You would hope that that would do a little bit better. So we'll see if the program with Skywalker, if his induction to Natural Vibes, if all of that helps Jason uh, get a little bump because he feels hot right now. He feels like a star. I would like to see that impacted in some attendance numbers. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that will be a fun thing to really uh, keep an eye on when we get over into gate, uh, King of Gate time. Uh, do you have any other thoughts of events coming on coming out of the main event before we start moving back down the card? Four and three quarter stars for me. Essential viewing if you haven't seen it. Yeah, truly, truly special match. Of the semi main event was for the open the Triangle Gate titles. This was Gold Class versus Pro Del Malte Hapon. Uh, Gold Class, of course. Uh, uh, Kota Minora, Kaido Ishida, and Naruki Doi, along with Minorita, lost in their first defense to the Peros del Malte Hapon after an Imperial Uno from Eito went straight into a Nosawa Rongai La Magistral, and they are the 78th Open the Triangle Gate champions. In case this Summer of Ada of mine might be up in the air, we might have to cancel the Summer of Ada. I don't know just yet. Well, in a way, there's no stronger summer than one that is spent with Nozawa. Especially the summer 2022. I mean, <laughs> it's going to go to some places. It's gonna, I, I mean, Nozawa is someone that we, we, we covered a little bit on the Dragon Gate USA Rewind and Rewatch series, but you, you're going to get to something with, with Nozawa. You just don't know what, and you don't know when you're going to get caught. Just like he just got caught. Here's the thing. And I said this in my review, VoicesOfWrestling.com for the written review of Dead or Alive 2022. 
Nozawa's wrestled twice with Peros and Dragon Gate, and I have enjoyed both matches to such an immense degree. This was better than the GHC Junior Tag Title match from last November. This was a borderline great match, and Nozawa was a part of it. I mean, yes, he's in there with Ata and Kotaro Suzuki, and then obviously Gold Class, but Nozawa brings a presence to these matches, specifically with Peros. Not Tokyo Garantai, not him and old luchadors, not him and Abdul the Butcher, but Nozawa with this group has a certain presence to him that in Dragon Gate, I think really works. Do I need to see him on a full-time basis? No. Are we going to see him on a full-time basis? No. But do I think him winning the Triangle Gate belt is the end of the world? No, absolutely not. I thought this match was great. Yeah, I thought this was a blast. Like, getting to see Minorita really feel himself. Like, that's why when the AEW Trio Styles happened, Tony, you got to bring over a gold class. There's so many arenas for Minorita to run, run around in and getting a Billy Gunn angry. Like, it has to be gold class versus gun club. God, it felt, it felt mean-spirited having Nozawa chase after Minorita. <laughs> like, that was, like, that was a weird form of hazing young versus old. But, like, it had to be him, right? Like, Katara Suzuki is not running after him. Katara Suzuki's there to wrestle. Uh, Eita, Eita's been around the block. I mean, all three of them should not fall from him. They were the Metal Warriors. So, <laughs> Nosawa, N- N- Nosawa just goofed on himself, if you really, really want to think about it. Because what's the one thing that he should know now, especially him, about Minorita case? What does Minorita like to do in all Gold Class Trios matches? He likes to run. He likes to run around the the arena just being a wily scamp. So, <laughs> Metal Warriors, uh, Paros del Mal de Hapon, you fooled yourself. How did you not expect that? But, no, this was just fun. Uh, Kotaro Suzuki is really fun in a Dragon Gate ring. Uh, Eita, uh, we'll, we'll get more into Eita talk later here, but this just had, like, a really, really just, just fun energy with it, and Gold Class just acting pure tweener the entire time and just very, very brutal stuff. Like, like there was that double stomp on Ishida that was gnarly. And notably, Eita kicks out of the first uh, 301, R301 ever in this match. Which, which got a reaction. That, that yeah. was notable. That got a reaction. I, I asked, I, I talked to a few people in the building. I asked one person, you know, what what's the deal with Ata and Paros? Because we know Ata's a big star. There's clearly a following for these Paros guys. Does the Drangate audience, do they care about this? And the response that I got back was, at the very least, there's morbid curiosity. You know, they care about Ata to a degree that they're going to care about this group, and this match kind of showcased that, that, you know, if these guys are going to be around, they can be a viable entity, and I and I welcome their presence if they continue to perform like this. The interesting thing is, after the finish of this match, the the I feel like the one take that I saw was, oh, there goes the summer of Ata. I am I am not there. If anything, this is it, this might strengthen the idea of that because you look at the June schedule. These are guys that you know. There's two Cork and Halls in June. There's going to be the King of Gate Finals and the Torimon Reunion. Are we sure that Peros aren't headlining the Torimon reunion show in some way? Man, that would make a whole lot of sense, especially if Nosawa. I was and... gonna say, would that would that be the most Nosawa move ever to headline a reunion show for a company that he did he was not involved in? I mean, but I kind of respect that, and I I guess the reason why 
I throw the is this the summer of Ada question out there is you unless they they are really going to go uh unless they're really going to go all in on doing multiple title fences in a night you're going to have to separate out and do the triangle gate maybe at the 35th anniversary show for Ultimo and then the dream gate match the night before, the night after that at pro wrestling festival right but i uh, i think they're losing the belts far before that this is okay. to me I mean, look, the, the Triangle Gate belts have changed times for uh, had changed hands four times already this year. I don't think there's been a successful defense of the Open the Triangle Gate Championships this year. There hasn't been actually. Now that I'm looking at it, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't continue that trend if they're headlining the Toriyaman reunion show, which is pure speculation. I don't know anything. That show has been so hard to get information on. Nobody knows what's up with that. Um, I think they're losing to a Torimon team in the main event. You also have to look at the middle of June. They're running Fukuoka, across Fukuoka, three times. A standalone show on June 11th, and then their usual day-night doubleheader on June 12th. That is prime real estate for a Triangle Gate match to headline one of those shows and for whoever it may be to beat them for those Triangle Gate belts. I think by the time we get to July, I don't know if if... Nozawa and Kotaro are still sticking around, but I don't think Ata is going to be a Triangle Gate champion come July. Yeah, and, and that's a good point about about across Fukuoka that one solo show because they do like running at least one title match in Fukuoka each year. I mean, they did that they did that Triangle Gate tournament there earlier. Like they like treating it not just as another venue, so you could easily get the belts off the Paras there. I guess like from from people I've talked to and. The overall impression I get is that this is going to be just like a territory stop for Peros, but it might last this summer. So that makes me include them into uh, the doubleheader at Kobe World Cannon Hall. You know, so. it's funny. I, I joked about it a few weeks ago that the Ultimo 35th anniversary show, the person that hated that announcement the most was Kaito Kiyomiya, because that means that old luchadors are going to be in the country and that Nozawa could book them for Noah. We are now at uh, Nozawa was working that Ultimo show. He just oh, has absolutely. to be. He has to be. He is going to hustle his way into being in a probably a prominent position on Ultimo Dragon's 35th anniversary show because nobody does business quite like Nozawa does business. So should we talk about the Nozawa question here? I think. Please, you, you, you have been diligently working to get some info here. Please share whatever you have. All right. So I can somewhat corroborate uh, Joe Lanza's reporting about uh nosawa leaving noah uh that i could somewhat corroborate that i can't completely it does seem like that's the case and the the big topic i heard really was about this lucha company like people believe that this lucha company is going to happen uh but uh some things just to clear up like misconceptions uh nosawa pretty much knows everyone who works for us who has worked in mexico since like 2000 like it's how that operates there. I was talking to someone, and they described to me that for a long period of time, if you were a Japanese wrestler and if you were in Mexico working on excursion or if you just work Mexico like some Japanese wrestlers, there is there was at one time an apartment complex that basically became the Japanese wrestlers' apartment complex. Everyone knows everyone. That does not mean that Nosawa is getting his tendrils in here. It just seems that things line up very well for this, and it answers a question of, what to do your mo- with your most popular star right now. So that th- those are like kind of takeaways there. I, 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 I think that the, 
that, that this is really just going to be a stop along the way before he ends up at his uh, at his likely endpoint, and that what I personally believe his his likely endpoint is not without any uh not without any sourcing. So this is just my this is my pure conjecture that I'm using a therapy word here, case. I'm gonna use a therapy word. You here. sound good. This is a safe space to conject as yeah. much as you'd like. So uh therapy words, I think I feel I know. I feel like that with how Gleet was launched, that Nosawa wrong guy was a part of Ledet and was a part of the launch of Gleet, then he stepped away because of the Noah thing. I think that there was a position there for like a G Lucha company, like sub brand, like how they have uh Ledet UWF there and G Pro. I think there was going to be a Lucha arm of that as well. And it makes sense to me personally, this is just me again, that I that eventually that's where Nosawa ends up at. Did you think this win came across as a bigger deal to non-Dragon Gate fans than Dragon Gate fans? Because I saw some people comment about this that I normally don't see comment about Dragon Gate shows. And maybe this idea, this kind of old notion that, oh, they're the trio's title company and Nozawa and Kotaro Suzuki just came in and won these belts. I think that that made some headlines for people. Whereas to me, yes, I was surprised by the result of this match, but as soon as it happened, I was like, Oh, Oh, oh great. All right. We got no and Kotaro for a little bit. All right, moving on. And it didn't, it didn't have that lasting impact with me that I think it did for other people. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, no has been in this promotion off and on basically since dragon gate became dragon gate. So like, so like this was really like, Oh, Hey, no, no, it was like Katara Suzuki. I actually really like this guy. He works well here. And I think that when he gets up to like the speed over the next like month, it's going to be, have some really fun stuff here. I, I, I'm fine with the, the Perizomal thing because I don't expect it to be a long-term. Can we talk about how Nozawa took a Doi 5 to his back? Yeah, Nozawa was not... T- he, he had a certain amount of punches on the bump card he was going to use for this match. <laughs> and... he, is, he is purely a charismatic wrestler in this environment. I never said anything about his in-ring. I was blown away that he took a Doi 5 to the back. I've never seen anybody do that before. What, what, what a king. What king. And how about Kataro Suzuki and Kodobin and Nora showing some chemistry there? I thought that they had a nice little exchange there in the, in the closing moments. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that's... That's right up my alley. I mean, Suzuki can still go. Unfortunately, he's been caught in that abyss of All Japan and Noah Jr. booking for a, a decade plus at this point, which is just a black hole of of nothingness. But no, of course he can still go. And you put him in there with guys that can actually work like Minoran. Yeah, he's he reminds you that he's Kotaro Suzuki, which is nice to say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh- in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. 
And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Let's move on to uh, match seven, the third of the five title matches. This was for the Open the Brave Gate title ma- title. This was Dragon Daya defeating SB Kento yet again, this time with the double cork. This was his second successful defense, and Daya pulls ahead of SB Kento in this ongoing feud that dates back to really kind of dates back to when Daya kind of debuted, if you think about it, if you want to include the whole Inferno thing. What an exhausting match. I have not talked to you about this. I wrote a lot about this in my review of VoicesWrestling.com. I talked at length with somebody about this earlier today. I would like to know your thoughts before I reiterate mine. So I didn't give my star rating for the semi-main. Uh, Trial Gate, I went three and three quarters. I really enjoyed Katara Suzuki in it. Yep, same uh, rating for me. Yeah, Bravegate, jeez, this was a weird match. This was a very weird match because Nagoya wasn't too much into it for like the first like five minutes of that. Did you notice that? Uh, not not necessarily, but I, I also, I'm not going to counter back by saying, no, no, they were super into it, but I didn't notice any apathy. Yeah, so it, it, it was something where like the chemistry was a bit off and they were able to get it back on the rails towards the end. I, I it, it, It's something that, like, there was some messiness, like, redoing some spots, and they did it in a way that looked organic, but you could tell, like, I know you mentioned SP Kento, you could tell him get flustered a little bit with that. And uh, insane pop for the Casador driver. That, like, the crowd, that was, like, the first time that the crowd audibly popped all, all show. Actually, no, they, they popped in the UT match, but the crowd got into it towards the end, and I thought this was a solid enough defense. I don't think it was as good as the... Uh, the uh, champion gate defense, but I went four stars flat on it. I've never been conflicted about a match like I am with this because it really made me question what it is that I value from a singular wrestling match where 
I thought the opening stage was super, super interesting. And then they go into this reptilian Rana counter spot where it doesn't go according to plan. And I still don't know what they were trying to do. And then they audibled and they kind of scrambled through it and it didn't look great. And you end up in this position where SP Kento has a waist lock on Daya. And I think the idea was that Daya was going to kick, kick and kick and eventually make contact with Yagi to a point that he had to step away so that SB Kento could low blow him. Or maybe I have the positioning reversed. Maybe Daya had a, uh, a waist lock on SB Kento. Either way, nobody was in the right position. That spot looked horrible. And this match started to fall apart in a way that, you know, I, I have been the SB Kento guy. I've said since match number one, this is the guy, this is the future. I have not seen him look this rattled before. I have not seen him look lost before. I have not seen Dragon Daya in a position where he was seemingly in over his head before. And all of their potential, all of their hype, all of the things that I love about these guys, things started to cave in very quickly. And I thought we were in route to a disastrous open the brave gate match where these guys weren't going to get on the same page. They were going to botch some big moves. The finish was going to be flat and we were going to have to move on with our lives. And we were going to leave Paris Del Malde upon to follow this disaster. The thing is Mike, I don't know if you've heard or not, but SB Kento was very good at professional wrestling. And yes, there was that middle portion where this match died a death and I was out on this and I was scratching my head and I was confused and I was almost embarrassed of like, Oh, these are, these are my guys. And they're just, they're laying an egg right now. Like, what is this? But around the time that dragon die hit the vampire scissors and they picked up the pace. Once again, the closing stretch of this match was so good. I mean, next level, good execution off the charts, pacing off the charts the drama the intensity all of these things that you would want not only from a title match just a standalone title match but a feud like this it was all there and so you have this weird good bad good style of match but the good stuff was just so good i mean the, the good stuff was great there this was a high ceiling low floor in one match where you know the middle falls apart they fall to the floor but the ceiling the closing stretch of this match the drama that was there was just so good that i can't not call this a great wrestling match which is why i went four stars on it i thought it was super entertaining i thought dio is going to come out better for this match he comes across as a a bigger more credible bigger threat champion now as a result of beating SB Kento it just had this horrible middle stretch yeah and it's something where with a match that's 60 minutes long you wonder you cut out those three to four minutes and this is a four and a half star sprint you know just because of how strong it was and the way they developed the show like I still would have liked a little bit more connective to show for Daya I mean Daya coming out all serious no skateboard was like a nice touch but was it? But he came out determined. He wasn't like selling anything, and I kind of wanted a little bit more of that, kind of building it up. I, I think that's what I was referring to earlier. I, I would say, guys. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Before that, uh, we had another tag team match. This was for the Ryukyu Dragon Pro Wrestling Soryu Championship Twin Dragons, their tag team title belts. KZ and UT versus a Dragon Kid and Yamato, and it was KZ and UT winning when UT. 
took a passion and then partway through and it wasn't working, he turned it into the Hikari Noah to pin the guy that Hikari Noah was made to beat. He used Kinesis' move and he beat his childhood hero in his hometown case. What's better than that? I, I know you. I know you really like this match. I went four and a half stars. I was a full oh star. Oh my god. Oh, four and a half stars. Case, Mike, I okay. was actually like my eyes were tearing up with UT coming out here. And you know me. Like I it, it, I'm very in touch with my emotions. I just, you know, they don't go on display often. You're notoriously this, very cold. I, I I mean there are certain people who would say that. There are certain <laughs> people who would say that. Sort of ex-girlfriends, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but yeah, I just that this was just something that like Alan and I spent Tuesday split between VoiceGate and uh, Pro Rest Paradise talking about how this match really had the opportunity to be like the sleeper with it. And I don't know for me that this was like a, almost like a personal match for me. Like it was coming out to UT's music playing 1993, the story of his, uh, of being a young boy in Nagoya, watching his hero Dragon Kid in Dragon Gate matches and dreaming to become that. And, the whole story about him saying, like, I will have made it as a wrestler if I can feel like Dragon Kid did that one night. And he did it. And I thought that that was something that was really kind of beautiful. And I thought that this was just really the UT show here. Like, it was UT selling a lot of it. It was clear that the KZ was going, like, all right, this is your match here. And UT was just truly something special there. Like, I know that you felt like they missed a gear shift there. But, I mean, I just was emotionally into it from the start to the end. And the bizarre Yamato no-touch Tope called hello right after uh, KZ did Impossible Mission. And I proceeded to have both Jay and Oho make cracks about Akira Tozawa's uh, marital life. So it, it had everything for me. It had well, everything for me. I'm glad you brought up Yamato's dive because it does reinforce the fact that Ryuku Dragon Pro is the Miami Heat of Japanese wrestling. Yamato, and I, th I thought Jay and Hoho did a perfect job of explaining this on commentary. Yamato wants to win this match because he really wants to spend more time in Okinawa in the same way that the Heat are able to sign free agents because they don't have property tax there because you're living in South Beach. Ryukyu Dragon Pro, much like the Miami Heat, not the flashiest destination, not the biggest market, but it is, it is your life value. It goes up. You enjoy life more when you are in those settings. The same way that there's Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo in heat culture, there is Ryuku Dragon Pro culture, and Yamato desperately wanted to be a part of that because of this match. I mean, he's all about the island life. I, mean, I can't believe he's still wrestling. It seems like he would rather be on an island. Right. Like, I, I, I see him ending up like Donnie Nel Don Nelson, you know, just living on an island after you're tired. It's looking crazy. Like, uh, have you seen like how much like Yamato whenever they go to Okinawa, he is always wearing a different, a different floral shirt, and he looks like he's having the best time of his life. Oh, this if guy... you if you look at the group like Dragon Gate photos from those Okinawa trips, I've never been as happy as Yamato is in any number of the Okinawa trips they've taken. Right. Yeah. So it just was like it's one of those things that like he just has island energy. You know, you can't describe it, but when you see someone who has an island energy, you know it. And, uh, and Yamato knows he has this energy of Okinawa, and he wants to go hang out with his best friend Gherkin Mask more. The only way it would happen is that if they ended up in the finals of King of Gate, which I don't see happening, I'm very disappointed that UT and Dragon Kid are not on the same side of the block. I 
would really like to see that singles match happen at some point because you know yes Yamato did his big dive KZ good as always but this was the the Dragon Kid and UT show I thought they crushed it I liked this match my issue with the match it reminded me and this is going to be very specific I think some people are going to get what I'm saying longtime PWG viewers will get what I'm saying people that came into PWG around the bowl of boom I don't know if they're going to totally get it this felt like one of those 2015 2016 2017 pwg matches where you know that you are watching a technically proficient arguably great tag team match and this was specifically a problem that would plague them with tag team matches but there was and i say this even for me there was just a little too much going on there was a little move 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 and there wasn't anything tying that thread between those spots and i got a little bit lost there it's not that uh i thought the work was bad by any means i just i couldn't find the flow of this match as a viewer i couldn't really uh immerse myself in this tag team match until the finishing stretch when ut and dragon kid went there and just killed it with those flash pins i thought it was a very good match but i did not think it was as good of a match as you did I mean, case one was the last match that when the match was starting, you felt tears in your eyes. Well, Kness just retired. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, no, you, no, your point was valid. I shit fair, all over that. <laughs> fair point. No, no, no. Your point was valid, too. Uh, did not tear for Kness. Teared up for the hometown boy doing proud. He won in his hometown where he saw his hero and he pinned his hero. Okay, so what's more beautiful about wrestling than that? It's look, I it's awesome. I I hope we one day live in a universe where SP Kento wins the Dreamgate belt at Dead or Alive and UT wins the Bravegate belt at Dead or Alive. I think that would be very beautiful. Uh, you're gonna have to like start treating me like uh, Stan Hansen and uh, Bam Bam Gordy at that point, you know. I don't. Uh, what What does that mean? What am I going to have to do in that situation? Uh, weren't they built from the Goya Japan in that tag team tournament? Oh, were they really? I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm open to have a new hometown. Actually, I shouldn't say that on there. But yeah, no, <laughs> I will. Well, Why? Got to move in the works, Mike? <laughs> Something that would get you out of your own territory? <laughs> and moving on to the next match down the card, this was Jason Lee's kind of official uh natural vibes debut but the uh, day before it came out that in training big boss shimizu hurt his foot i have not heard an injury report from him yet but i think it's fair to count him out for the near future and put an x in his uh king of gate match i think will be getting a replacement there but the finish because they decided to have punch Sumanaga in this match was punch Sumanaga getting choked up by keisuke akuda they made jason lee's debut like on TV debut at Natural Vibes, all about Punch Tomanok. Yeah, I hated this. I wasn't. I wasn't into this at all. Um, I literally seeing Punch in Natural Vibes colors just brings back bad memories. And it's bad vibes. It's not positive vibes or natural. That's ex- it, that's ex- oh god, that's so good. It's bad vibes. That's exactly right. It's bad vibes. I didn't see enough Jason in this match. I really didn't see enough Genki in this match. I saw a lot of Punch, and I was not super into it. Yeah, and I like I like Jason's like natural vibe get up with like the neon headphones and sunglasses and he has like the hoodie without the sleeves on. I was like, Yeah, I'm feeling Jason now. And then we had Punch in his and his skull cap and 
the 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 same bad blue pants he had last time he was a natural vibes do you know what i wrote about kaisuke akuda in my dead or alive 2021 review what'd you say this was <laughs> well here's what i said this was coming off of his brave gate match versus ut which i went four and a quarter on and then they had that really fun two-minute match at the empty arena king of gate uh, a few days later i wrote in my 2021 dead or alive review that at this time meaning may of 2021 kaisuke akuda is one of the most consistently entertaining wrestlers in the world I think by July we were going, man, Akuda really fell off, didn't he? And Ryzen's still booking him for more fights. That's an well, I mean, God, I look if, if I that's insane. He got embarrassed in his two fights last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's bold. That's bold. Uh yep, uh hopefully he doesn't uh get knocked out in the first round in less than a minute like the last two times. So maybe. We'll see. Probably I don't, not. I, yeah, he's he's in a weird spot. I mean, he's fine. He's in his little pocket and high end. But I, I was talking to who was it? I, I I think Striga of Eastern Lariat made this point on Twitter last week, where he was talking about Akuda and how they wish that that he wishes Drangi would do more with him. And I realized this in hindsight. I should have seen it in the moment. Bad job out of me. But his Bravegate run last year which was very, very odd. He wins it from Ashida. They do the rematch. He wrestles Kagatora. He wrestles Hyo. And he wrestles Punch before that UT match. That seemed like Drangi testing him to see if he could do more than just Akuda things. Because there's a Kaisuke Akuda formula. And when he's wrestling Kaito Ashida, I love it. It works. It's great. But he was in there with Hyo and with Punch. And he had these really gimmicky matches against those guys. I think to see if he could if he could break out of his shell, if he could be more than just a tough guy MMA fighter, because that might work in Noah, that might work in All Japan, that does not work in Drangate. You need to be more versatile than that. And I don't think Akuda passed that exam. And until he's reevaluated and is able to do better in situations like that, this is where he's gonna be. I think he lost a ton of stock within the company because of that Bravegate run last year, which wasn't bad. I thought that Hyo match was bordering on chaotic good, and it's not like the Tamanaga match was an embarrassment, but I don't think he did what he needed to do to prove to Drangate that he can be more than just a bad MMA fighter and at times a good pro wrestler. I just think... I... I... I, I don't like writing someone off. I just think this is who he is at this point. Like, if he was going to truly, like, acclimate, he would have acclimated when he was, when he came in the company and was teaming with Mochizuki Dojo. You know, like, that there was a reason he was in that unit. I just think that he is who he is, and uh, a as you said, he doesn't have the flexibility. He's going to do his kind of match. If you're Kaito Ishida, that kind of match is magic. But everyone else, you know, who knows where you're going to get out of him, and you can't trust someone like that, you know? And, and and in a company like Dragon Gate that has a certain working standard and a certain vibe, for lack of better words, he's going to stick out and be treated like this until, as you said, you know, they reassess him, and it's decided that he does fit for whatever reason, you know? And each time he gets knocked out at Ryzen, it becomes harder and harder to push someone who's only known as an MMA fighter, really, with no other aspects of their personality to an audience of people who 
aren't necessarily keyed into combat sports because all they'll see is zero and three with three knockouts. Very well said. Though we don't need to talk about knockouts anymore. Let's talk about a return case. Let's talk about someone who is a knockout. It is. <laughs> it, it, this is the return match for Madoka Kakuda as he teamed with his class of 2020 counterpart, Jackie Funky Kamei, versus Kakuda's former stablemates and BB Hulk and Hyo. BB Hulk straight up pasted Kakuda several times in this match. They, they were not like being soft on kicks yesterday case they were uh, throughout all the matches that they, they, they were going for chen there as uh kakuta ate two first flashes on his return match and hulk wins here i my thoughts is first off i want more however we can get more kamei and kakuta together they have something going here and madoka kakuta is the happiest person i've ever seen to return to pro wrestling he was beaming on his hot tag. Like he tied, he tied in Kamei, and, and you could not tell this guy anything. He was so happy. That's interesting. I did not think he and Kamei were a dynamite pairing. I, I, I liked, I liked the in ring of Kakuda. I think he and SB Kinto are going to have a really good match. I do not think Kakuda jumped off the screen like a guy who was in the big title match at this show last year. Oh, not at all. No. I was disappointed. I thought the the result doesn't surprise me that he got beat, but I thought he would look better than he did. His body, he's in good shape. He, you know, me thick as hell, but he did not project like a superstar. And I really thought he would. He looked like a adult, which is something that, you know, I, not to infantilize him, but Zebrats like him. There, there are times that he did not feel like like this big, tall guy. He felt like a teenager pro wrestling. It felt like he was actually pro wrestling to me here. I couldn't believe. I I didn't realize as Alan on on the Open the Voice Gate preview show said this, and it it hit me like a truck that he had been wrestling for less than a year. I mean, really, you know, eleven months by the time that he had that Dreamgate Challenge versus Shun. And I I was so stunned by that because it just he was a guy that made an impression immediately. And, and those 2020 guys got thrown into storylines so quickly that we've seen less than a year of output from him technically. And that's bizarre to think. I'm still incredibly bullish on Kakuta. I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a guy that is going to be in the main event scene sooner rather than later and for an extended period of time. I did not like this match all that much. I was disappointed that Kakuta didn't radiate like a guy who was back for the first time in a year. The one time that he did, and I thought it was brilliant that they did it, but when he and Hio reenacted the the drop toe hold spot where he separated his shoulder last year and he, he kind of freezes, he slowly gets up, and then when he gets up, he really fires up and, and gives Hio a bunch of offense. I thought that spot was great. I wanted the whole match to feel like that. I wanted him to really be buzzing and he came across a little too subdued for me. I was disappointed that Kakuta didn't play bigger in this match. No, I, 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 and I think that's probably where we get our difference of opinion here. I thought that he was someone who looked at times relieved to elated to be back, but I, I, I don't think he rated the star energy, but I feel like for me in return, I felt like he did just enough 
for it. And I just the idea of him and Kamei, like that flapjack they did, and just like working with that is just something that's so different in the Twin Gate division that I don't know how you would ever do it. Kamei had new gear yesterday, by the way. But he looked too he too looked too close to the uh the pineapple guys from Torimon X. Yeah, bright green. Yeah. Like, I, I liked him with like the painter's pants with it. Like I thought that was good, but the uh, overalls case, I'm sorry to say, you can't wear overalls in Dragon Gate anymore. Like like overalls have been forever tainted by the Sailor Boys. So. Well he he does all right with it, but that bright green's not doing him any favors. I, I, I was I was let down by this match. I was let down by Kamei's gear, I was let down by Kakucha's charisma. And the match was fine. I mean, it's about what I was expecting in ring, but I I wanted more from this. I think no. Kaku- I think Kakuta could be a guy, and if I was a guy wrestling for the first time in a year, I think I would have made more of this opportunity. No, that, that that's fair to say. And I guess for me, the, the teamwork was working, and I thought Kakuta looked a little bit more ready than you were. So that's probably why I was a half star higher, to be honest. Yeah. But- so what was your what was your final star rating on this? Three and a quarter. Three and a quarter. Okay. All right. Good to know. Yeah. I mean, still within the half the half star range, but it's just I had a, be- a better positive impression than you. Fair enough. A, a match three. This was rookies versus veterans with a a roster change, a card change, literally happening when it when, when it happened. Like I did not see this announced or really talked about anywhere. But Takashi Yoshida was in for Suji Kondo as Yoshida Kanda. Mochizuki, Masaki Mochizuki. We're going to, have to do that now, Case. Did you ever think about that? We're going to, have to clarify which Mochizuki. I'm stressed out about. about it. I don't. I don't like change. I don't like name changes like that. I've never called him Susumu Mochizuki before. It's going to take me a minute to get used to that. Yeah, I think we'll just go for go with Susumu. But of course, Mochizuki was teaming with Don Fuji versus uh, not rook, not all rookies, but we have half of uh, the team being rookies. It's Ishinahashi, class of 2021, La Australia. Uh, class of 2020, really 2021, Straw Machine J, class of 2019, and Takuma Fujiwara, the rookie of the year for the class of 2020, 2022. And it was the uh, the veterans winning with a huge cyber bomb and pumping bomber on Ishin. And Case, this was the Ishin Ahashi show, I felt like, in a lot of ways. Not only did he look great, but did you also feel like he and Fujiwara got just a little bit more respect than they normally would. Well, I mean, Fujiwara said he had some chops for Fuji, and he gave them to Fuji, and Fuji started to back down. Boy, what, so. a, what, a, what a bold claim. I'll tell you what, if I meet Don Fuji, I'm not telling him I have some chops for him. I am <laughs> shaking his hand and asking him questions about trains. I am not chopping Don Fuji. What a bad idea. I, I mean, I'm giving him a Amtrak... Uh, Whatever the train is from Chicago to the West Coast, I'm gonna get him one of those engines there, a six pack of beer, and say, "Have a nice night, sir." I'm shaking. I'm shaking Don Fuji's hand, and we're watching an hour long Antonio and Noki match together. Whatever you'd like, sir. Please, you're Don <laughs> Fuji. You dictate the evening. I, I'm afraid then that that's eventually going to end up with Don Fuji and us at a karaoke bar with women twice her age. Okay, don't tell me with a good time, Mike. My God, <laughs> what can yeah. you make this happen? <laughs> let, 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 let Quick, send get... Jay an email. Let, let's try to get this. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let me log on to Line and get this get get this figured out here. I think but, I'd yeah. break edge for Don Fuji. I think if Don <laughs> Fuji, I I don't know if I well I don't want to I don't want to use let, let me try to if Don Fuji like called me sus for not drinking beer, I would drink a beer. Oh, buddy. 
Oh, buddy. That, that, Only that's him. Good... But but if you want to talk about breaking things, uh, La Australia almost broke his skull on that cannonball moonsault he did in this match. Why is La Australia wearing a Chucky mask? What is that? I He's just getting ready. I forgot who tweeted this, but he's getting ready for his excursion in Mexico. Oh, yeah. Well, no, he is. He's he's looking at the blueprints of Tori Casa. He's got first pick on the bedroom because my man is going to Mexico sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, y- you better know that Ultimo is going to go like, hey, that Chucky mask, you know, you know where that'd work? Arena <laughs> yeah, that's got that's got Nakapol vibes. You can you can work it out here in Nagoya, but that's really a Nakapol thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, a little sus out here for Nagoya. Um, <laughs> so Kondo, I have I have not checked about this, but Kondo not being at the show and there's talk about Kondo and Noah. Nothing. I I I, I focus on Osawa when I was looking at Noah related things. Case you know, I mean, there's only so much I really want to get into with pro wrestling Noah in the greater scheme of things. So, who knows? Can, can you walk me through the story of Kondo and Noah? I haven't heard anything about that. So, this is a rumor. This is a rumor. This is something that someone tweeted. But uh, Kondo working Noah shows when Con when Noah's in this power vacuum, there has been some suggestion that he might be trying to get himself in on that. If he has to pull out of King of Gate, I'm going to punch a hole in the wall. We've been trying to get Shuji Kondo in King of Gate for three years now. Yeah, and, and again, speculation, speculation. I, I want to make that very clear about this. But, you know, and if you look on his Twitter account, you know, you don't see much of anything with Dragon Gate guys, but a whole lot of cyber agent folks. Of course, Toru Owashi, classmate, and DDT. Who knows? It just was very weird. I mean, even on English commentary, they thought it was going to be Shuji Kondo, not Takashi Yoshida. And that does not happen in this company. That does not happen. You're right. That is strange. I, the the Torimon reunion show, the lineup for that was announced saying Kondo's on the list. I think there would be, if Kondo wasn't announced there, there would definitely be something to this. I don't know. Kondo's a busy guy. He's got a business outside of wrestling. He's injury prone. I'm not sweating this yet. I don't I don't know if there's smoke to this fire, but there's it, it's something to be aware of over the next right. few weeks. Yeah, and to be clear, I don't know if there's smoke to this fire either. It just was it, it was just something that I mean doesn't happen often. There was a rumor. I can't vouch for it. Just saying what it was is to try to talk about Shuji Kondo not being on this show. We don't know. I will try to find out before the next show, but we will know if Suji Kondo is in King and Gate by then. So, uh, the rest of this, this was a fun Vets versus Rookies match. This wasn't excellent, but, you know, for instead of it being a, I'd rather have a Vets versus Rookies match than a Rec League match on a paper. Yeah, not, not the strongest version of this match that we've seen, but like I said, I enjoyed seeing the seemingly increased respect with both Fujiwara and Ishinihashi here. So, good stuff. I mean, they all stomped out Don Fuji. Like, they straight up stomped him out partway in this match. Very bold of them. I would do no such thing. I would do no such thing. Uh, four-way match. Originally, this had Punch Tomonaga, who was moved to the trios match. We thought this would become a three-way, but nope. Uh, Konamawa Chikawa has appeared. So we have Problem Dragon defeats Konamawa Chikawa. Sachi Hoko Machine appeared, not Sachi Hoko Boy. Because they're right next to Nagoya Castle, where Sachioko Machine's from. Decided to come down and make an appearance. Nice guy. And Yosuke Samaria 
problem dragon won this when he reversed stalker's figure four and i think i've pretty much talked about what all we need to talk about in this match unless you have something i love the sachi hoko machine always enjoy seeing him pop up but that is that that is as much thoughts as i have on this match yeah and then we got to the opener the opener is on youtube if you read the vow review case nicely has it embedded for you this was for the open the twin gate championships as d courage Dragon Daya and Yuki Yoshioka started the show trying to let Dragon Daya go 2-0, defend both of his belts in Nagoya at Dead or Alive. They would try to attempt this against Shun Skywalker and Diamante of Zebrats. Shun Monte would win with the Cielo Finale on Dragon Daya after SBK interfered, hit him with a chair. And now we have the new Twin Towers as Open the Twin Gate Champions. And Dragon Daya and Yuki Yoshioka brought all of their old gear to Nagoya just to be losers. I'm going to be legitimately disappointed if this is the last D-Courage versus Shun and Diamante match that we get this calendar year. This is one of those that I want to see at Kobe. I want to see it at Dangerous Gate. I want to see it at Osaka number two. Throw it on the big Osaka. Throw it in Gate of Destiny. I think their chemistry is so good and i think these two teams are so perfect for one another that the more they wrestle the better this is going to get and i already gave this four and a quarter so we're starting off on a pretty good note this can't be the only time we see these teams wrestle in a two-on-two setting this year there has to be more it feels like they could have done so much more these two teams are so good there is a do you remember that tna storyline where Kurt Angle won all of the titles in the company. Yeah, because he uh, went in, and I think it was like at the same time, like the last one was against Samoa Joe, I want to say. That, boy, that Kurt Angle wrestling Samoa Joe sort of like sounds right, so I'll give that to you. But that is honestly what I want from Shun Skywalker. I think he should be Dreamgate champion. I think he should be Twingate champion with Diamante. I think he, Diamante, and Hyo should be Tranglegate champions. And we should figure out a way to get him the Bravegate belt, even though he doesn't fit the weight requirements. He is... I, I've said that he's just as good as it gets. He is. He is arguably the best wrestler in the world. And now he has a real shot to be in the best tag team in the world, not named the Young Bucks this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I really hope that they get a one of the good long Twin Gate runs because they like doing that with heel teams too. So I would really like to see that. Yeah, I was four and a half on this. I thought that I know that there was that monkey flip spot, but this was goodness all the way through. I mean... The over-the-top T. Harris that Dragon Dias started the match Insane. with. And I'm so Insane. I'm so bummed. I don't I can't find a gif of that anywhere. People oh, gift the show. It was a bad show. camera. Bad camera angle, that's why. That that was insane. They threw him into the sky. And then they threw him in the sky even farther before when they did the parachute attack partway through. That's why I'm calling the wishbone sling him up in the air. It's like the parachute from gym class. No, it, it, par- you're yeah, yeah. That's exactly that's exact. Until I'm corrected, that's what the name is. I mean, that's exactly what it is. I I really hope, and I, I said this in my review. You know, I really thought D Courage was going to be the champions through August, through September, into October, that sort of range. I will be very disappointed unless the belts go back to Daya and Yoshioka. I really think this is the type of reign where Skywalker and Diamante should have these belts through the end of the year. And 
that is not the way that Drangate operates right now. They're treating titles much more like they did in Toribon than they did in 2010's Dragon Gate. There's a lot of title changes. There's not a lot of defenses. These belts move around quite a bit. I don't think it devalues the title, but for the sake of the talent between Shun and Diamante, I want these guys to be champion until we hit 2023. Yeah, yeah. And I want them to like tear through everyone. Like, like I feel like that Minorita should have to team with Jackie Funky Kame and go against them. God, oh well, I mean, God, that that excite the prospect of Minora and Minorita versus Shun and Diamante just got me really excited. I mean, there's there's that there's you know those two versus Young Vibes. There's those two versus Jackie and Jason versus Binsuke versus Yamato and Dragon Kid versus you know Doi and Ashida. Uh, there's there's just so much there that they can do. Dare I say, even though I just said that I don't think he's going to be involved in anything important anymore, but you could do Shunin Diamante versus Mochi Fuji, and I think that would be tremendous. There's so much you can do with these guys. I hope they don't blow past this rain. I hope they're not just transitioning to somebody new. I really think this can be a hallmark, historically great Twin Gate run if they allow it to be. Oh, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, uh, one last thing about Dead or Alive that I wrote down first, but since we worked backwards, I didn't get to say it. The video work, the VTRs on this show, I felt like were excellent. Like, I felt like that they always do genuinely good work. Like, it's not necessarily stuff like the BB Hulk versus Akira Tozawa video package, which I think is the best video content that any wrestling promotion has done over the last 20 years. But they did, like, stuff there that, like, even without subtitles, someone could tell the whole Z-Brats versus D-Courage and how that tied into uh, Masquerade and R.E.D. I feel like they did a great job on like before the matches with like that video package kind of filling everyone in there. So I, I just wanted to make sure to make note of that on the show. And I hope they do more videos like that. It, this it, it, Sorry, go like, ahead. Yeah, this was, this was a big arena pay-per-view that felt like it. This had the right presentation from the video packages to the entrances, to the match quality. This felt like a big show, which in the pandemic era, I feel like Drangate has maybe gotten away from a little bit. There have been some shows that I don't think I've hit to that degree of pageantry and presentation. This one did. Yeah. I mean, even like I, I forget if we mentioned this, i made an offhand comment. The fact that D courage both came out with their mass identities and like the jacket and everything this and like throw it down there, like just doing like a little thing like that made it feel like a bigger show, you know, like throwing down the past, walking towards the future with them as twin gate champions. I thought that that was a really neat touch as well. That made it feel more and more like a big five show and not just like, oh, it's time for them to do their Nagoya show for the year. Overall, thumbs up from King of Gate for me. I really enjoyed the show. Main event is without a doubt, 100% essential viewing. Go watch that if you haven't seen it. Same with the opening match, which is free on YouTube. I cannot recommend that enough. And uh, the Ryukyu Dragon Pro tag title match and the Brave Gate match and the Triangle Gate match. There's a lot to this show. I would highly recommend if you're listening to this over the weekend, carve out some time, watch this show. It is a very, very good one. Yeah, and it was the uh, right start to get us into the hot season. In case this week we are covering the start of King of Gate 2022, the number one championship in Dragon Gate will be decided this May and June. Kicks off May 11th on Wednesday, Tokyo Corican Hall. Four of the 16 first round matchups it's the largest field of King of Gate tournament, and it's a single knockout tournament. There's no Dragon Rumble second chances here in 2022 case. 
the best person out of these 32 wrestlers at the at the beginning of June will be decided and will be the 2022 King of Gate and likely will be in the driver's seat to one of the main events at Kobe World Cannon Hall in July. And, buddy, we've talked a little bit about this. I've talked to Fallon. What a tournament they have lined up for us this year. So this Cork and Hall show, May 11th, night one of King of Gate, will go down, unless something catastrophic happens, as my most anticipated Dragon Gate show of the year. I look forward to the May Cork and Hall, which is typically the first night of King of Gate show every single year. And it has been three years since the last time we had a May King of Gate show in Cork and Hall. I want to run down just just to paint the picture of how long it's been, because this is traditionally my favorite Corkin of the year. I am going to run down the card from May 9th, 2019, if that's okay with you, Mike, because I think it 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 shows just how far this company has come in three years. Yep, let's do it. Opening match. Dragon Daya, Kaisuke Yakuda, Hyo Watanabe, Kota Minora, and Yuki Yoshioka defeat Kness, Mondai Ryu, and the natural vibes trio of Punch Tamanaga, Susumu Yokosuka, and Brother Yashi. So that alone... We're now talking about main eventers. We're talking about guys that could win this tournament being stuck in a match with Natural Vibes 1.0, Kness, and Problem Dragon. So we're already off in a different universe. Match two, by the way, the Florida Brothers versus Genki Horiguchi and Ryo Saito. So we are in Torimon re- nostalgia matches. The, the 20th anniversary reunion uh, series that they were doing in Tokyo was on this show. Strong Machine F, Strong Machine G, and Strong Machine J versus Dragon Kid, Jason Lee, and Kaito Ishida. I'm sure that match was very good. This was the second month of Strong Machine J's career. That's how far back this goes. King of Gate matches on this night. Ata defeated Masato Yoshino in four minutes. Shun Skywalker, having just left Mochizuki Dojo, defeated Masaki Mochizuki in a match that finished in my top 10 for match of the year voting that year. There was a 10-man tag match, again, just to show you how long ago this was. Kazuma Sakamoto, Pac, Takashi Yoshida, and Yasushi Kanda versus Hiroshi Yamato, Kagatora Kai, UT, and Yosuke Santa Maria. And then your last two matches, KZ over Naruki Doi and the start of Ben K's undefeated streak as he beat Yamato in the main event. Oh, how far we have come in just three years. Yeah, that's a completely different world. Like, and and I remember like how groundbreaking that Shun versus Mochi match was. <laughs> like it was like, oh wow, Shun just beat his mentor clean, convincingly, just completely wiped his face after Mochi called him out after Shun left Mochizuki Dojo. Like, yeah, no, this is a completely different world than we are. Where when you look at the uh, four matches at least for King of Gate this year, you have Kai who was just hanging around that point, Shuchi Kondo. Not back in the fold. SP Kento, not a part of the company, or might have been training. Uh, Hip Hop Kakuda, same. Yamato, Yuki Yoshioka, of which you've covered before. Eita and Shun Skywalker. So that the, the first quarter of the first round is just, when you compare that to 2019, it's night and day, Case. I, I should go back on the network and see if... SB Kento, Kamei, Sora Fujikawa, and or Kakuta are at ringside for these matches. Because when we rewatched the rookie ranking tournament a few months ago, 
there was a noticeable presence of specifically Kakuta and SB Kento at ringside. I'm sure they were at ringside for Shun versus Mochi, among others. Right. Yeah, I just didn't know because of time frame and when they debuted if they would have already been in Kobe at that point in May 2019. With yeah, ages. well, they, they were they were there in January, so yeah, they're probably on this show too. That's going to be fun for me to look back on because I'd like to rewatch that Shun versus Mochi match sometime soon. Yeah, so that that's what we have to start off. Then we have Gifu. I I'm still using the uh, unless they have an updated list of this here. I'm I'm working with Takuma Fujiwara versus Ishinahashi, Problem Dragon versus Keisuke Akuda. It is Problem Dragon's hometown of Gifu there. So Tora, uh, the Fujiwara Ahashi match was the one we weren't so certain about. Uh, just continuing to run down the uh, first round. And Kobe Samba Hall in the 15th. So same week, uh, we have Jackie Funky Kamei versus Yosuke San Maria. Dragon Daya versus Hio. UT versus Kakatora. La Estrella versus Strong Machine J. And then we get into the Hokkaido first round matches that you talked about earlier. So they're not, pick, they're not going quadrant by quadrant in their matchup. So it's not like, okay, the people who've won, like Kai and Shuji Kondo are not facing... The winner of that's not facing the winner of SB Kento versus Hip Hop Kakuda on this. So it's kind of mixed formats going for the next month. And they will wrap up in Osaka. I think they have one more Kobe show and then the June Corkin. But Case, from what we have out of the first round, what are your matches to watch? I've got three that I am super, super excited for for a number of reasons. First of all, Yamato versus Yuki Yoshioka. I talked about this when the lineups were announced. I know... Alan mentioned this on the show earlier this week, the most recent Open the Voice Gate, that he wasn't so sure about my opinion. I am fully locked in on Yoshioka defeating Yamato. I think that's going to be a great match. That, to me, is a red herring. That match happening, if that match happens in Kobe or Sapporo or Fukuoka, I think Yamato's winning. That match happening in Tokyo, that is a Yuki Yoshioka victory. On that show as well, Eita versus Shun. That's a fascinating match. Those guys have only had one singles match. That was a big deal. That was the Kobe World 2020 main event. These guys are at two very different stages in their career now. I look forward to seeing what they can do. And my most anticipated match of the tournament, for attendance reasons, for booking reasons, for match of the year contender reasons, May 22nd, KZ versus Kota Minora, number one with a bullet for me. I am so excited for that match. Yeah, there's just a lot here that I find very interesting. I mean, even Shuji Kondo and Kai. I had Shuji Kondo winning his quadrant <laughs> when I was talking with Alan, and I'm still so riveted by that. The uh, future clash that does that does big things for me. Case you you could guess that what when they gave me that lineup, you could tell which one was the Mike Spears produce match there. And then there's just like UT versus Kakatora. That's that again scratches my brain in a certain way that you could definitely see. And, you know, I'm going to throw out another one on that same show. I'm ready to see La Estrella versus Strong Machine J case that this is either going to be pleasure or pain for me. And I can't wait to see which one we're going to get. If that is a good match, the victory lap that I'm going to do on Strong Machine J that week is going to be so annoying because I have been so down on him really for a year three, and a half. No, three years. Since Kobe World 2019, I was like, all right, enough. I've got it. But no, no, no. A few weeks ago, I, I I came on here. I said, wait a minute. The Strong Machine J might be actually good now. He's turning it around. He's been pretty good lately. And if he has a good match with Australia, a good singles match with him, because I think that is a dangerous match to book. If they go out there and crush it, I am suddenly all aboard the Strong Machine J train. 
Yeah, I think it's fair to say that although this match does not have the highest ceiling out of the first round, that there's like eight other matches I would say I have a higher ceiling than this. This match certainly has the lowest floor. So, you know, the, 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 there's a wide breadth of what this match can be, and I'm really excited to uh, really uh, get into it then. So, okay, so when I was with Alan on the torch, we did our final four and then our winners here. Uh, it's kind of hard with the we're working with the Japanese bracket that we're able to fig- figure out most of this. Uh, who do you have as your four people to keep an eye on and winning their quadrant in their final four? And who do you have as your 2022 King of Gate? King of Gate. Okay, let me make sure that this works out. I have I... the bracket in front of me. I could help you out. Well, I have it in front of me too. I'm I'm only hurting myself at this point because I'm trying to figure out. Uh, of course, Mike sent me this ahead of time, but I'm, I'm not prepared. Because um, <laughs> why would I be? I didn't. I. I. I it, it wasn't going to happen this week. Um, oh shoot! Okay, SB Kento is going to be in the final four. Okay. Ata is going to be in the final four. Yep, both of those are eligible and legal. You eat your two for two. The problem is that I can't have KZ in the final four if I have Ata, right? Nope. They're in the same quadrant. I don't like these I don't like these quadrants, Mike. <laughs> I I know, like that was the thing. Like uh, like you you're likely looking at Ata versus Strong Machine J second round, and then the winner of that's probably facing KZ to to advance to the semifinals. Like that's a tough that that, that is the block of death. That's the quadrant of death right there. Okay. 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 I got this. I got this. Give me scratch that from the record. Okay. G- give me Yoshioka. Okay, Yuki Yoshioka coming out of the uh, the the top right quadrant. Give me KZ. KZ coming out of the bottom right. Give me Jason Lee. Jason Lee coming out of the bottom left. Now, who's eligible from the top right? That is what Kai and Kondo Kamei and Maria, Doi and Susumu, and Monday Ryu and Akuda. Okay, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, <laughs> okay, so that that makes it easier. I'm glad we did process of elimination here. Hey. Give me is Doi versus Jason. Is that a semifinal match? That could be a semifinal match. You know, that's the that's legal. So Yoshioka, KZ, Doi. And Jason, with KZ versus Doi as my finals and KZ winning, I don't know if I'm committed to that, but I think that's what I'm going to submit as my final answer. First ever back-to-back winner, KZ. Oh my god, he won last year, didn't he? Yes, he did. And they've never had back-to-back King of Gates. He could be the first one. You know, that it could finally be KZ time. I I want to clear I want to clear the lane for you to give H of the win because you've been on the summer of Ata you believe in that more than me even though I'm I'm roughly there with you and for the sake of this podcast I we should go down different paths all right so you're gonna go with KZ I'm gonna go but with Ata. but but also Minora could beat KZ yeah that bottom, that, bottom that right booking quad- that booking Minora versus KZ in the first round single elimination tournament that is unbelievable i can't believe they're doing that because that is to me maybe maybe i'm crazy to me that is the most 50 50 match 
that I have seen in wrestling in years at this point. I have no idea who's going to win that match. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, GM Saito, we have to talk to him about how he seeded these people. Like, Kai should be number one seed. Absolutely. He's a Dreamgate champion. But the making Shushi Kondo the 32 seed? Nah. In the nah. doghouse. Shushi Kondo in the mud confirmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... What, a, yeah. what a, okay give give me give me this as i get really manic as i break down king of gate 2022 for some reason the here's here's what i will say the winner of kz versus coach Minora is winning king of gate 2022 okay yeah i i, I, I was on i said at the start of the year one of my predictions was Minora was going to win king of gate and either win the dream gate belt before world or win the belt at world that is a viable option jay talked me into thinking this was the year of kz the winner of KZ versus Coach Minora is winning King of Gate 2022. Man, you're the most divided man. You know? This is oh my god, I'm exhausted from doing this. I this <laughs> I knew this was gonna be hard. I had an idea. I mean, my initial my initial thought process was that it was gonna be Ata versus Jason in the finals. I don't I don't think they're gonna do that. I don't buy into that completely i don't know if jason can headline even with the boost of it being the king of gate finals and on a big week for dragon gate i don't know if jason can headline a cork and hall show in a singles match like that yet i don't know if that's even with h i don't know if that's big enough but i think if you take doy over jason keep jason where he's at which is a push commodity but not the guy kz and doy have history Minora and Doi, obviously that's an interesting matchup because they're in gold class. It's either going to be Doi versus KZ or Doi versus Minora. I like your logic there. You know, no. I, 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 I don't, but thank you. <laughs> so uh, I said this on the torch, but mine are Shuji Kondo, Jason Lee. Jason Lee winning. Jason Lee is going to the finals. And that's going to be against the winner of Yuki Oshioka and Ata with Ata beating and then Ata versus Jason Lee in the finals and Ata your 2022 King of Gate champion because this is the summer of Ata and let me tell y'all why even though the Paris del Malta Hapon will not dissuade the vibes we're going to be getting when the sun casts the shadow over El Numeruno we're going to overdrive the Mirage case we're just going to be taking a place <laughs> what, what is happening before. I feel like I'm having a stroke with all these cliches you're using right now because Ata as I said the same time that you said Kota Menonora would either hold the title going into Kobe World Canon Hall or hold it leaving it. I've said since day one, Case, it's going to be the Summer of Eta. Case, it's going to be the Summer of Eta. And guess what, Case? It's the Summer of Eta. It starts on May 11th in, in Tokyo Cork and Hall, and it will continue as Eta will march through the field. He will become the 2022 King of Gate, the Dragon Gate number one championship. And he will win the Dreamgate from Kai, one of the people who orchestrated his ouster from R.E.D. And his new best friend, uh, Nosawa Rongai, standing there now with looking at double belt Eita. And no, hey, it's this kid's summer. It's the summer of Eita. Did I sell you on that? Uh, no, but I could kiss you on the mouth for having Yuki Yoshioka in your semifinals. I'm so glad we're on the same page there. Yeah, I just look at that upper right quadrant where it's him and Yamato, UT, and Kakatora, uh, and then Takuma Fujiwara and Ishinahashi, and I am not seeing that last team right now in that quadrant. And 
it just seems like that now D Courage lost to Twingate, and you could kind of do more things with Yoki Osha and giving him a strong win against Yamato and then probably UT. And I think that's the way you start doing it. Yeah, it can't be UT. It can't be Kagatora. It can't be any of the young guys. Is that other match? Is that Ashida versus Susumu? No. In the top just, right? No, no. Uh, I believe that might be. Uh, that's uh, Dragon Kid versus Diamante. Oh God, I'm excited for that. That's another. That's a those Yuki those support- versus Diamante, and to decide who goes on in the semifinals. Yeah, that's yeah, that's those that's- those Sapporo shows. Just to just to go over those lineups again. Night one is Ashida versus Susumu and Hulk versus Doi. Night two is Jason versus Benke, which I think is going to be sneaky great, and Dragon Kid versus Diamante, which is going to be great. And then night three is going to be Takashi Oshida versus Undetermined. I don't know if it's Shimizu or somebody else. And then KZ versus Minora. That is going to be a really fun weekend of shows. That is one where... I never stay up and watch the uh, Sapporo shows live, but that 522 show is going to be on a Saturday. I might stay up and watch that. I am so buzzed, so jazzed about KZ versus Minora. Yeah, and you know that doing that in KZ's hometown, you know? That if that show, if that is able to outdraw uh the last show that was run there, so December 5th of last year, like I said, that was Eita, Hyo, and Ishida versus Shimizu, KZ, and UT for the Triangle Gate belts. That did 437. I am so, so curious if that outdraws that match, and especially if it outdraws KZ versus Eita from last year, which did 339. Yeah, especially with like how like Hokkaido population-wise, like that that that's gonna be a big thing if it does that. Like, I don't believe it's the least populated. Uh, prefecture but it might be close and i think that it's all basically around sapporo betsu and hakodate up there and uh, they've run they've run out of buildings to run in that prefecture i mean this is yeah it, the, wor- the worst of the worst this. that they've run yeah i mean it's they're, they're struggling here but it's it's a huge market for them they're able to draw a few hundred fans that kz versus menorah match feels really big and i do stand by the winner of kz versus menorah winning the entire tournament and they gotta do their tours up there. Imagine May in Sapporo case. Get out of here. Don't let me in a Sapporo in May, dude. I, I am gonna unleash a different part of my brain if that happens. <laughs> case going goblin mode in Sapporo. Yo, yo my, my, my villain origin story starts in Sapporo in May. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens on May 22nd. When yeah. Wait, what what are you doing there? Oh, I'm watching King of Gate. <laughs> what, what are you doing here? Why are you starting to glowing? <laughs> because I've just seen KZ versus Kota Menonora. Just pacing in the background of the Sapporo Stadium watching KZ versus Menorah. <laughs> you, you, you're just dribbling a soccer ball across your foot, just <laughs> just angsty. Just being like, this this Burberry Groot. This Burberry Groot. Oh, God, if that match is at four and a half or above, I would be so bummed. <laughs> and, and then you're going to become your villain. Damn, that's how it happens. That is how it happens. Well, buddy, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, just as a programming note, because of the midweek Corkin, expect next week's voice gate around this time. We'll be shooting to get it out as soon as we can from there. Then we should be back to a normal schedule throughout the rest of May, if I'm right. Yeah, I think so, Case, right? I believe so. There's a lot there's a lot of episodes that I'd like to do, some of which are evergreen, and obviously we have to do the timely ones as well. So 
for the next few months, I'm very excited. There's going to be a lot to talk about on the show. So I yeah. I hope people listen every week because there's a number of things that I'm really excited about that I'd like to talk about on the show. It's the hot season case. Everyone's better get into it. Get into it. And that's going to do it for us. So you can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. Cases that underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week talking about opening day of the 2022 King of Gate to determine Dragon Gate's number one championship. Take care, everyone.